Hey, hi, hello, what is up, what's going on? The first ever edition of 10K Live, uh, our first go at a live streamed version of our 10,000 Pitches podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Jeremy Rushing alongside Dominic Jose Bazonio. Now, Dominic, we are going to do something different. Not only is it the first 10K Live, but it's the first time we've sort of meshed 10,000 Pitches and Post Loons into one sort of thing here with this live stream so a lot to get to how are you doing tonight i'm doing great i'm glad to finally be on post loons we talked for a lot even before i ended up joining the for for 10k pitches i we talked for a long time about me trying to do an episode and it never worked out so i found a way hey we found a way to make it happen (laughs) uh we had to basically mix the uh the podcast and post loons together but we've done it here we are uh, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I really do appreciate it. Um, a lot to get to a little bit later on. Matt Provratsky from Equal Time Soccer is going to be joining the stream to talk basically all things women's soccer in the state, mainly go for soccer recap. Their season, unfortunately, over, not advancing to the Big Ten tournament. So we'll kind of recap their season, obviously the first season with Aaron Chastain at the helm. So a lot to get to with him. Um, as usual, we'll do the post-loons thing for Minnesota United, a thorough recap of not only the loss against Vancouver last night, but also the LAFC draw. We'll get to that as well. Um, And then um, in addition to the Gopher Soccer Chat with Matt, we'll also talk Northern Sun Intercollegiate Conference play uh, as they're wrapping up the season. Just a a few games left there um, as Bemidji State uh, undefeated right now. So we'll talk about Bemidji State, Minnesota State, and all that with Matt, along with the latest with Minnesota Women's Soccer. Obviously, Matt, part of the ownership group there. and not to mention, Dom, St. Thomas men get their first D1 win. So a lot to uh, discuss in that regard, too. So a whole slate of Minnesota soccer content to get to over the next hour, hour and a half or so. We appreciate you tuning in. Um, if you could, if you're watching on Twitter, go ahead and give us a like and a retweet. Um, if you're trying to leave a question or comment on Twitter, you're going to have to go to YouTube to do that. So go to YouTube, just search 10,000 pitches. You'll be able to find us and uh, find the stream here and drop your questions and comments in there. Um, also give us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube as well. Yes, just as Dominic is showing you right there. We get to do some visual stuff. It's weird because usually we like, you know, we wear certain stuff or we like, you know, make certain gestures and like nobody can see. But now shout out to Spam FC, by the way. Hey, love that Spam FC hat. Shopspamfc.com for all your great (laughs) Spam FC merchandise. Shameless plug there for our friends over at Spam FC uh, doing great things with their scholarship program. Little shameless plug for a future episode of 10K. We'll have the Spam FC guys back on probably sometime in mid-November to talk about uh, just the latest uh, money that they've been donating to their scholarship foundation. It's fantastic. So when you go to shopspamfc.com, you're actually helping them, um, you know, fund their scholarship foundation too, which is obviously huge. All right. All that being said, Dom, let's get into the soccer content, and we are going to kick it off with post loons. I guess <laughs> this is kind of weird. It's like 10,000 pitches and post loons in one, but we're going to kick off this episode of 10,000 pitches with post loons. So as always in post loons, if you have a question or comment, drop that in the chat. The hotter the take the more likely it is that we're going to put it up on the screen here and talk about it. So the first match we're going to discuss, we'll get to the loss in Vancouver last night just a little bit, but we're going to recap kind of the week as a whole. So obviously it started 
with the one, one draw at home against LAFC um, LAFC's lone goal coming from a rare miscue from Tyler Miller. Although now that we've seen that the miscues have not been so rare for Tyler Miller this yeah. week, we'll get to that in a little bit, but the rare miscue from Tyler Miller lets the ball go through the wickets off of a free kick from Christian Arango. LAFC goes up one nil. Uh, they do end up the loons getting it back via a goal off a rebound from Ozzy Alonso in the second half, but weren't able to get that one to put them ahead. All in all, though, Dominic, I was looking at this. I wasn't too pessimistic following the 1-1 draw. I know LAFC was down Carlos Vela and a couple others, uh, but they had been in good form and obviously have continued to be in good form since that Minnesota United match. Um, So I wasn't too concerned or worried about the 1-1 draw at the time with LAFC. How are you feeling coming out of that one? Yeah, I think it's the same as you're saying. At the time, uh, I, I felt relatively good about it. Uh, certainly, you'd rather be the side that came back in a draw, for example. And, and of course, mm-hmm. they're a very good team. They they destroyed, was it Seattle, the game after that they had a fantastic yeah. home game. Um, but I, I do think that the way this week played out, it ends up being a very good example of the thing that happens sometimes where um, the, the way you feel about a result is more affected by the next game than the game you're thinking about so the way the vancouver game ended up going which we'll talk about i think changes the significance of this result yeah it's Um, very weird to be trying to look at this lafc match through kind of a an impartial lens considering we're coming off such a disappointing loss to vancouver um but and you're absolutely right it does kind of change the way you view it but at the time i I mean i said it on post loons after the lafc match I, i wasn't too worried Minnesota didn't play all that bad either. Right. Um, it was pretty, it was very much a stalemate. I think the one, one draw was sort of the deserved result in that match. But at the same time, it would have been really nice to get three points at home yeah. against an LAFC side that was down their best player and uh, a couple others and is on the outside looking in on paper. You should probably win that match. You're down Roman Metinair for the red card. And then coming into Vancouver, you're down Chase Gasper. So uh, it's kind of, as we as we talked about, Dominic, you, you move one, one piece from the puzzle and all of a sudden the quality. Now, it wasn't a full-on absolute train wreck, this 1-1 one, one lo- one, one draw. But at the same time, it, I think it was there. That match was there for the taking. Had to have been at full strength, who knows? Yeah, and I think... Part of to your point about uh, taking a piece out and it, it'll fall apart, fall apart, falls apart. That's the way you say it. There you go. Um, you uh, I think something that's that I was thinking about after these last two games, obviously, we're missing uh, each of our fullbacks in, in the two respective matches. Um, there's a unique aspect to that take out a, a piece that falls apart in that it's not even necessarily that there's like a crucial player that we're worried about missing. I mean, there is, you know, Reynoso, for example, obviously we would like to have him all the time and and, and there are pieces like that, but it, it's kind of across the pitch. There are just many, many spots where if someone's gone, uh, it, it feels like the team significant is significantly worse, uh, which is maybe more concerning because then it, it becomes not so much about over-relying on this one guy. It's more just a lack of depth entirely or a lack yeah. of players being able to move into different positions. Like for instance, Dotson was playing out of position. So it's not necessarily a depth thing in the sense of a bench player, but it's, you know, how we, how we make up for losses. Um, 
that's almost more concerning to me because then it feels like it's not just, oh, we were losing our number 10 or our star striker. It's did we lose anybody? Oh, we're in yeah. trouble. Uh, and, and, you know, with all due respect, Chase Gasper is a player that often fans have been very critical of and maybe questioned. So even a player that not many fans necessarily um, have a huge amount of confidence in, he leaves and it still affects the team in such a drastic way. So that's very concerning to me. Yeah, you saw, and we'll transition to talking about the Vancouver game now, um, because that I think directly kind of leads to what was the big issue in the Vancouver game. It was an absolute dumpster fire along the back line. Like we can talk about the offensive issues and and the goal scoring as a whole this season has been the issue for Minnesota United, but and and it was an issue last night. Obviously, you have to get a Fernando Adi stoppage time goal to keep Vancouver from getting a clean sheet, right? But there was some serious issues along the back line last night. Bakari Debasi probably played his worst match in a Minnesota United uniform last night. Tyler Miller, another woeful, just kind of looked like he didn't know what to do on that initial on that initial goal uh, yeah. that would end up being a Michael Boxall uh, own goal. And Boxy played probably the worst game I've ever seen him play last night as well. So it was just all these issues and. I don't necessarily know if 100% we can trace this back to losing Chase Gasper on the left, but try to follow the, I'm trying to follow my logic here in terms of Chase Gasper for his faults has been one of your most reliable players this season. Second only in minutes, I believe to Will Trapp for the loons this season. That's very much a comfort I'm sure it's a comfort to a guy like Debasi to know that he has a guy like Chase Gasper alongside him where Debasi knows I just have to do my job and the guy next to me is going to do his for the most part. Gasper has had his right. issues. We've, we've talked about those in length. When you remove that piece and all of a sudden you guys have a guy in Hassani Dotson playing on left back where he is, has he ever played left back for Minnesota United? I know he's played right back. I know he's played left wing. I do not remember him playing left back and I'll probably get corrected in the chat. So if he has played left back not for sure. Minnesota before, let me know. I have not seen it or do I remember it happening before that sort of removes that comfort factor for Debasi, right? right? And so maybe, maybe he's distracted by that in terms of, Oh, I need to worry more about what's going on to my left. Cause we have a more inexperienced piece here. I need to maybe, focus some, you know, where I can you normally fully focus on myself. I need to take some of that and focus more potentially covering for him. Right. And that's right. nothing against Dotson, but he's never, he's rarely played there. That's not a position he's used to playing. Right. Maybe that's the cause. And maybe that has a domino effect that goes to Chase Gasper that goes to Tyler Miller. Roman Metinair didn't play great either. It was the whole back line and your goalkeeper, right? That really were the what stuck out to me as the issues goal scoring was an issue once again it's been an issue all season but the back line is where we saw significant significant disorganization um it just seemed like everything was out of whack i don't know if you can trace that to chase gasper but i've tried to provide a logic train to maybe trace it back there thoughts yeah i mean it's impossible to know for sure you know, the, the intricate web that leads to like a game like uh, yesterday. But 
I will say that I'm sure that losing such a consistent presence affects even just the sort of synergy of that back line, just in a general sense. Uh, you noted how consistently he's been playing for us. When you have someone that's just there so often, um, in a team that in many other positions had quite a bit of rotation, uh, you have to imagine that everybody else becomes so used to their presence, their style, how they read the game, how they move, um, what they go in on, what they don't go in on as a defender. So, so having that be different uh, on the road in a big game, you know, a game that, that matters as much as that game did, I can imagine that that would that would uh, potentially mess with sort of the the processing speed of of the back line, mm-hmm. um, and and you know you were mentioning that obviously the the initial thing to focus on is the attack, and in reality it might have been more the back line that was the problem. To to add to that, uh, for as much worth as people want to put in, in statistics like this, you know you look at like the expected goals for that game. One of the um, apps that I used was had a, something along the lines of, I think Vancouver had like 0.7 and we had like two point something um, mm. under three. You look at that. And the first thing you say is, Oh, well we had, we scored less than we were supposed to. Yeah. But, but look at the fact that we conceded two goals against a team that statistically wasn't even going to score. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that to me is actually more concerning. And, and obviously the own goal in the moment feels kind of like a silly mistake by multiple players. But if you look at the chance that led to that own goal, it was horrible defending. It, it, yeah. The, oh, the amount of space allowed. The fact that the initial shot didn't go in was kind of just a matter of Miller having a decent reaction and the shot itself maybe not being the best idea. Um, and, and so it plays out the way it plays out. But realistically, nine times out of ten, that goes in on the initial effort. Um, mm-hmm. And so you might as well write it off as just a normal goal in a way, at least in terms of how the defense allowed it to happen. So, yeah, it was a really concerning night in terms of, of movement, reading situations, um, obviously just allowing goals out of a game that statistically didn't have goals in it for Vancouver. Um, and a team that generally is not a high-scoring team in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very concerning and it's concerning even more so when you look at the teams that we have to play for the remainder of the season who have a much better scoring record than them. hundred percent. Uh, guys, if you have any thoughts on, uh, Minnesota United's loss at Vancouver last night, please drop those in the chat, just as you would on a normal post loons broadcast. Um, you know, questions, comments, thoughts, takes, drop them in the chat. We'd love to respond to those here on the show. Thank you so much to everybody watching. If you're watching on Twitter and you'd like to leave a comment, uh, you're going to have to hop over to YouTube to do that because we're not going to be able to see it with the uh, StreamYard platform that we're using to host. Um, So continuing to break down this Vancouver loss, one thing I want to talk about that didn't necessarily have to do with anything on the field is just the the atmosphere at BC Place last night. These 9 p.m. kickoffs are normally hard to get through. And I'm not going to lie, Dom. There is a reason why there was no post loons last night. That's because I'm sitting there on my couch watching the match. It's about like the 35th minute. I blink or I thought I blinked. (laughs) I opened my eyes from what I thought was a blink and it was the 65th minute. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you you missed both Vancouver goes then. I I missed, I missed both. I thought I missed one. Or maybe just one. Yeah, just one. Yeah. I saw the second yeah. one. So it may, it may have been okay. earlier than the I saw the second one. Okay. I definitely missed the first one. Uh, so I had to rewatch oh, yeah. the game 
today earlier before we, uh, you know, at least the part I missed uh, before we went live here. Uh, but so to my point though, these 9 p.m. games are already tough to get through. Yeah. But when you add playing the game basically at a half empty shopping mall, that's basically what it felt like. Like it's just, it was, it's brutal, man. And especially when Minnesota, you know, your team, Minnesota United puts the performance they put together, just a really, really tough match to get through all in all. Yeah, and the funny thing is you might assume that a sort of lackluster home environment would uh, would hurt the home team more, but mm-hmm. um, it kind of felt like Vancouver found their energy within all that, and, and we didn't. So Yeah, I mean, that, that atmosphere, though, I think relative to what Vancouver had been playing in at home and, you know, where I, I can't remember where they were playing before they were able to go back to Vancouver. Utah, I think, right? Uh, yeah, you're right. It was RSL because actually yeah. the first time Minnesota United played Vancouver was at yeah. RSL. Uh, that's empty stadium, right? right. Even right. when they went back to Van- even when they went back to Vancouver, I believe it was like 25% capacity, yeah. if that. Um, so last night, compared to 19,000 at Allianz or even the 14 or 15,000 that it's been at Allianz over the last three weeks, like that that might be great for Vancouver, right? That might seem like a good atmosphere relative to what they've been playing in all year. But if you're a Minnesota United fan, it seems dead. Yeah, yeah, and it's probably important to keep in mind that that we are pretty uh, lucky, just in general, regardless even of COVID. We're pretty lucky with the atmosphere that we that mm-hmm. we have at Allianz. That's not a consistent thing for for some teams, both in terms of numbers, but also the actual noise and, and atmosphere of it. That's not that's not something every team has. No. Um, so as we mentioned, uh, you know, all in all, I, we so we've kind of broken down this Minnesota United performance. You know, it was not great, um, especially from a backline standpoint. It was a decent first half, all things considered. Uh, but right before halftime, you you give up that own goal, and that's when things really started to snowball. And then the second goal, and this was in the 63rd. So I woke up at some point before the 63rd minute. Not too, not too. Not too far from that, though. Um, so this was the sequence that obviously decided the game and could decide Minnesota United season right here. Um, Unu is able to get in a good goal-scoring position. He's able to get a shot off um, past the keeper. And it's a wide-open net, but it goes off the inside of the post. And then immediately the Whitecaps spring a counter and Brian White finishes off to double the lead. And that is where you go down 2-0. And that is really the that that's the gut punch right there. You go from we should have scored to man, we're down, we're down two. And that really it, I mean, I, I just said it, but that could be what knocks Minnesota United out of the playoffs. That's a six point swing right there. Yeah. Or I think after the excuse me. Uh yeah, four. I think after the goal, if I recall correctly, they cut to to the Minnesota bench, and you just see Adrian Heath just kind of like laying back, speechless, because you know he he probably realizes how how much deeper the hole's just gone, um, mm-hmm. off of a very strange series of of plays to lead to that goal. Yeah, you know it it's tough to criticize a a, a missed goal in which essentially the player doesn't really miss, but it bounces on um, un, unluckily. Uh, and doesn't go over the line, but you know, again, when you when you have a game where the chances were so much in favor of Minnesota, there were so many chances 
wasted or, or momentum wasted when you finally have that chance that realistically should be the thing that goes over the line and then you still can't get it through it does feel it does leave you asking questions about just mm -hmm. like what what do what does this front line need to have the motivation and the focus to get that over the line um, in such an important game where they they surely understand that they really really need a goal um, yeah it's it's concerning obviously there's some bad luck to it but it, it is concerning when even those big open chances are still not going over the line yeah um there was one good thing to come from this goal though dominic uh there was it was maybe it was. the best thing yeah yes <laughs> you know if there's if there's a if there's a circumstance that's going to knock minnesota united out of the playoffs it is if it if it spawned this tweet that's actually something i might be okay with and i'm actually going to bring it up here there you go. Show the people because they need to see it. Left foot, right foot, head. He just finishes everything. Brian White could finish while thinking of the queen. <laughs> Can I say, by the way, right away, the most amazing thing about this tweet is that they left it up for like two hours. I'm like, so disappointed they took it down. So if, if you yeah. if you're not on Twitter or you didn't know, so this is the tweet that the Vancouver Whitecaps official account put out after the Brian White goal to put Vancouver up 2-0. Now, yeah. if if you're wondering, I don't even know how how I'm gonna like try to describe this. If you're wondering what the joke is here or like what the humor is here, um I think it's I think it's a joke in in you know how like think of think of baseball think of cold showers yeah. you know certain things you have to do to maybe prolong certain activities um I think because there's technically a queen in Canada I believe that like that one of the running jokes is like oh think of the queen right. uh so and the Vancouver that's, Whitecaps that's want you to know about here. that yes that's the joke here. it's amazing um yeah. i'm really if you're gonna roll with it roll with it right like if you're yeah. gonna post this i feel like if you're the caps and i don't know if they got pressure from sponsors or the league or, or whoever to remove this they may have but i almost feel like you just have to just steer into the skid here because this is amazing i mean this had more this had more people were talking about this than anything else that happened in MLS last night. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, amazing. I was because it was up for quite a while. I don't have the exact amount of time, but you know, it, they, they didn't delete it for, for quite some time. I was convinced, Oh, I guess they're just going to leave it. Yeah. But then I like woke up the next morning. I kind of drifted off from focusing on it. And I woke up the next morning and I see, you know, that's been deleted, but uh, okay. Yeah, really impressive work. Well, apparently not according to the Vancouver admins, but impressive work from whoever thought of that so short notice. And I have to say, it's probably going to be a travesty that whoever wrote that tweet is probably going to get worse punishment than Tim Milia did for uh, assaulting a person live on MLS. Yeah, that's 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 yeah, that's the real tragedy here. To be honest, I, I really really hope that the admin doesn't like. Like, just if you're going to give me anything, give him a slap on the wrist. You know, don't, I don't want to see this guy get fired, suspended. <laughs> Although if he does get let go, we may have to scoop him up here at 10K. 
Might just have uh, to. And we may have to start a Patreon to pay for his, you know, social media service here because yeah. that's that's the type of energy we're looking for. Uh, but just just amazing stuff here. So, um, yeah, the Brian White goal, although it made us sad, it did it did spawn one of the greatest soccer tweets in the history of soccer tweets. So um, there is a silver lining there. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, of all people, and you can cross this off your bingo card, Minnesota United fans, Fernando Adi checks in and he puts the loons on the board in stoppage time with the most sloppy, like Minnesota United type goal of all time. Like yeah. this, this was, this was like a mistake that this ball went in the back of the net, but somehow it did. Fernando Adi gets credit for it. Minnesota United's on the board. And I mean, good for him, I guess, for opening yeah. his, his accounts. Yeah. And, you know, hey, maybe that goal differential change will even be important at some point. Who knows? But um, that's actually very, very yeah. true because uh, Minnesota United, I believe, is at a minus three goal differential right now. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's wins. That is the first playoff tiebreaker. And that is right. why RSL is ahead of Minnesota United in the standings right now. But yeah, a goal differential that that could that could play a factor. Who knows? And that would be. That would be ridiculous, honestly. A Fernando Adi mistaken stoppage time goal somehow is yeah. what, you know, if there's like a triple tiebreaker scenario, that that's what gets the loons over the line into the playoffs. That's, I don't know. I don't even, I don't even know if I'd watch. It would seem fraudulent. So, to a be little honest. bit. My concern, to be honest, I don't, I don't want this to come off extremely harsh, but, you know, I was already a little eh, about having him join the team. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of the potential benefits of that. And I just get the feeling from from this that, like, this feels like this is going to be his version of when, like, Kai Kamara got, like, one penalty for us the time he was here, and then he never scored again. Yeah, like, It just feels like you, you bring that guy in. It's like, is he really going to be what we need? And then he gets, like, that one goal to kind of justify the presence, and then it's gonna, that's going to be it. I mean, he doesn't even get that many minutes to play. So, to, in his defense, it's not like he has a lot of opportunity to score. But... uh yeah, I, I'm least, not. At least Kai Kamara had the the pedigree, though. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like there was like an obvious, like clear reason for him to be on this roster. Yeah, a yeah. we were down a crap ton of strikers, and yeah. B he served as a mentor. Like, shoot, he mentored oh, Alfonso sure. Davies in Vancouver, yeah. right? No, and, and so, Kai Kamara is like and, a historic player for this league. So I, yeah. I, I don't mean that to be a diss to him, but it was like, you know, th- there were some questions about him coming in, other people leaving and so on and so forth. And, and you know, he does like, I think it was one penalty in, in league play, at least. That was his only league yeah. play goal. Um, and then, it, you know, nothing else comes of it. This feels like that, uh, like uh, Adi's version of that and, and being maybe a less high profile player, it's a less high profile goal in terms of finishing. But um, yeah, I, I have a lot of questions about him joining the team to begin with. The, the goal maybe helps, maybe doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't know much. I, you know, I wasn't turned off by the signing, but obviously I, the, it wasn't like a huge impactful yeah. thing to me either. Um, and then all of a sudden he just keeps getting put on the field late in matches, and to my eye, not providing much if any impact at this point. So. Uh, but he did score last night, so maybe that'll get him more minutes. Who knows? Uh, but uh, as we mentioned, Loons are now eighth in the West after the loss. Level on points with seven-place RSL, but RSL does own that uh, most number of wins. Tiebreaker. Uh, so now you're on the outside looking in if you're Minnesota. 
and you have two matches that are not going to be easy down the stretch here. You have a home match Sunday against SKC, which if you ask me, they should be without Timelia, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> and then you have the season finale Sunday, November 7th at LA Galaxy. And because of the loss, because you only got one point out of this week, you probably need all six points here. Right. And that's not an easy task. I mean, if they do it, they'll definitely have earned a spot. But based off what we've seen and based off, I mean, I'm not saying they can't do it, but it just, you you put yourself from this week, you've put yourself in a really, really unenviable position. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, I, it would be great if, if they end up finding the points and making it, but the way this is all played out, it, it, it very much um, fulfills conversation we had on a previous episode. I, I guess it was maybe it was last episode it was after the, the union win, at which I said something on the lines of like, this is all great. So the union are a very good team and it's great that we showed we can beat them. And that, that shows some playoff potential to me, but if this next week of stuff doesn't go well, then that union win is just a cool moment in an otherwise dreary end of the season. And it kind of loses all of its importance um, because these two games realistically were more important because of, yeah. you know, being in conference and so on and so forth. Um, and, and it, it went the way I wasn't hoping, but the way I was kind of suggesting, which is, is that we, we dumped most of the points we could get out of the two games. Uh, so it's really starting to feel like we might not make it. And even if we did, I would have lost most of my optimism about what we could do. Um, That's the thing though. If you get all six points here and make the playoffs, all of a sudden that confidence has to be there, right? Because you've beaten SKC and you've beaten the galaxy to get there. Now, all of a sudden people are going to be riding high on confidence again. And to your point last week, Dom, that is when it all comes crashing down. As soon as we reach a certain confidence threshold with this team it just all of a sudden you get the week that you had this week you almost called it yeah that's that's why i said my concern was that this team wins games they're not supposed to and loses games they're supposed to win um Mm. pretty consistently or or, you know throw a draw in there but uh, you know doesn't achieves things they're not supposed to and doesn't achieve things um and so yeah look if they manage to get the points they need and they make that impressive last an impressive run last two games then maybe that improves my confidence a little bit but all the while in the back of my head i'm going to be saying to myself yeah but they just proved to you that they have the same problem they've had for the last like two years so whatever is about to happen you're going to have to know the whole time that it might just completely fall off the hill randomly the moment that the momentum feels too much on our side or something um because you should be beating Vancouver. You should, probably should have beat LAFC. Didn't beat either of them. Uh, after what seemed like such a momentous moment of being Philadelphia, it, it, just, it just, the roller coaster is just continuing to me. And the roller coaster might, the high point, it might bump us into the playoffs. But then I just know that it's going to dip again. So I, I'm not, unless something changes and there can always be change, I just, I have a lot of pessimism about what happens if we even make the, playoffs what those first couple rounds look like it just all comes down to the fact that we just can't have nice things Dom. yeah well we're well we live in minnesota and uh you know it's not the best state for professional sports is it 
that's not no and it, it, it you know i don't know anyways let's move on uh we have matt pravatsky waiting backstage i don't want to keep him waiting too much longer so uh before we get to him and before we get to uh talking everything women's soccer across the state of minnesota let's shout out our good friends over at ninth street soccer and coffee if you have not gotten your galazzo blend from Ninth Street. That's their uh, signature blend with our friends over at Dogwood Coffee. This stuff is amazing. I actually had to go get a coffee grinder because of this. Uh, normally, I just buy the, the Aldi brand coffee that you get. Uh, but so I got some of the of the Galazzo brew, uh, not realizing that it was coffee beans and I didn't have a coffee grinder. So, but that's how good the stuff is. Like it's worth going to get a coffee grinder to go <laughs> drink this coffee. Uh, it's really, really good stuff. Dogwood Coffee knows what they're doing. And Ninth Street did a great job by partnering with them. And this stuff is awesome. So go check it out. Uh, NinthStreetMPLS.com. If you actually follow them on Twitter at NinthStreetMPLS, the link in bio uh, is where you can actually get uh, the Galazzo brew from our friends over at Ninth Street. Um, so what's going on at Ninth Street besides this awesome coffee is they have 40 plus and women's only pickup available. These are new pickup options over at Ninth Street. So, you know, if you're... If you're 40 plus and you don't want to be trying to keep up with 25, 24, 23 year old guys who are just pushing the pace and, and running circles around you, uh, Night Street has a place where you can, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, play with some people your own speed. That seemed very, very uh, mean. So I don't mean it like that, I promise. But 40 plus pickup, women's only pickup available as well. Um, and if you want to book a field, whether you have a team, you want to get some indoor practice time in because, you know, the weather is going to turn to crap very, very soon. It's a, it's a miracle that it hasn't already. Um, these bookings are filling up extremely fast. And I'm not just saying that. That's not like a sales thing. Like, it's indoor soccer space is, is like a premium here in Minnesota in the winter if you haven't experienced it before. So if you want to book a field, book a half field, whatever, over at Ninth Street, you got to do so now. NinthStreetMPLS.com. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NinthStreetMPLS. Big thanks to the guys over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee for being our title sponsors of Post Loons. Um, and we're happy to uh, talk about them here on the 10K crossover episode. All right. It is now time to bring in Mr. Matt Pervatsky from Equal Time Soccer. Matt, how you doing tonight, man? Hey, thanks for having me, Jeremy. I always appreciate the chance to uh, chat women's soccer. Dominic, I think first time we've been virtually <laughs> meeting each other other than on Twitter. So happy to yeah. be here. Yeah, happy to meet you too. I've been following you for a long time and we've talked on social media, but yeah, I don't think we've ever talked in person or virtually. Matt, now you just got off of a live stream, hosting a live stream. Now you're guesting a live stream. So the old the old back to back. So we're gonna talk gophers, we're gonna talk what's going on with MN Woso, we're gonna talk about NSIC, but you just actually got off a live stream with um St. Thomas women's soccer. Um how are they feeling right now? Because their season is kind of going almost in the opposite direction as the men. We'll get to the men here in a little bit. But the men, you know, obviously started with, I believe, an 0-11 or 0-11 and 2 start. They've won two matches in a row. Whereas right. the women had a really strong non-conference but have sort of been sputtering in the conference slate so far. Um, but being that it is their first season in D1-2, where right. are the St. Thomas women at in terms of confidence level and how they're feeling about the season right now? I mean, the St. Thomas team, you know, Annie Williams and I chatted with their head coach, Sheila McGill, earlier this fall. Um, Mark interviewed a couple of their sort of most productive freshmen a couple weeks back, and I chatted with a couple of veterans tonight. I mean, 
maybe it's a honeymoon period thing. Maybe it's just like they're all really good at like saying the same things, but it seems like they just have a really good team culture in terms of sort of team first, um, really supporting each other, really having sort of a, like on the show, I think the phrase like no drama came up like 10 times unprompted. So it's, it clearly is something that they all like speak to a lot for them to repeat it that many times. Um, I honestly think, I mean, I don't know if you would have made me guess what their record would be the first year as the only team to ever jump D3 to D1, what their record would be. I would have guessed it'd be bad. So I don't, I, it's hard to say that they have like underperformed. I actually think I've watched them a number of games. Um, I think they just, they compete pretty well. And I think one thing head coach Sheila McGill said to, to us on a show earlier this fall is that, they're not going to park the bus and they're not going to play defense only. And that may seem like a really low bar for someone to state, but for those who don't follow women's college soccer, it's, and I, for all, I don't, I don't know if men's college soccer does this, but in women's college soccer, even at D one, a large percentage of teams play a defend and counter style and they play a, we are going to keep the score low. We're going to take our chances. We're going to be disciplined in our shape. And, it's honestly like a third of teams play that way and they force you to score goals. And Sheila Mm -hmm. from the beginning said, we're not going to do that because that's not fun. We are going to attack even if we lose. And so they do defend a lot large track of games because they are outmatched because they're brand new, but they're not only defending. They're not deciding to only sit back. And so I think that's why some of their positive culture subsists throughout the year Um, because uh, players are not just told, like, stay behind, stay behind, stay behind. So I think they've had a pretty positive um, environment out there. I think what will be interesting to see is how they build from this year, because the Summit League, even though it's a mid-major, is honestly really tough to crack that upper echelon. It's really Mm -hmm. tough to get into the range where Denver is, where SDSU is, where um, these programs who are just constantly winners. I mean, like, being... Being winners in that league, it doesn't matter your judgment of like which conferences matter. Being a winner in that league is hard. It's really hard. Yeah. So it, I'm curious to see what tactics they take in trying to, do they focus on adding attacking talent? Do they focus on the midfield because they need to try and stabilize the middle third, whatever. Um, so I they've had a good vibe so far. And I think rightfully because they've been at least competitive in these games, even as the, the um, record doesn't look super shiny. Do you get a sense that, that, that attacking style maybe is kind of maybe a reason why they were able to not necessarily get out on the front foot, but maybe relative to maybe what some of the expectations were, uh, Mm -hmm. especially relative to how the men started the season, that attacking style sort of maybe caught teams by surprise early on maybe. And and they were, they were surprised that they were getting outscored by a team like St. Thomas. I think that can be part of it. I think part of it too was just that they actually did defend pretty well. I mean, as much as I say, they didn't focus on like only defending and only sitting back. They actually did have really, um, I think pretty disciplined defensive shape. And that can be really hard when you're playing a team that throws numbers forward or when you're defending in the counterattack or when you're just defending against a team that has played together before. I mean, like, Thomas has 11 freshmen like this is technically their first D1 recruiting class even though I'm sure players kind of knew as they were filtering in and so 
it's a weird mix of players. Like it's hard to play together. And so I think they caught teams by surprise because they just played pretty solid soccer, worked their butts off. Um, and then frankly, you know, like college soccer is a grind. It's a, there's a little bit of a wild card factor. I think it takes a really, really, really good team to sort of always play your best week in and week out. Like it's very rare to have a college soccer team that plays their best week in and week out because it's a really hard yeah. schedule. It's a really, the rules are hard. You have to play extra time, even though you can still tie. Like some of the things are just bonkers that exist in college yeah. soccer. And to survive that season is just really hard. Um, how has the adjustment been for St. Thomas from a D3 to D1 standpoint? I mean, I, we talked about the results on the field, but I mean, in terms of recapping kind of how the season has gone so far, do you get a sense of, are they surpassing their own expectations for themselves? You know, how are, I mean, guess, how is the morale and um, how are they, how satisfied, I guess, are they with, with how this season has gone so far? Yeah. It's really funny because there's like multiple dynamics that sort of cut across each other on the one sense as a D three team, they were super, super, super successful um, on paper statistically with their record, Alex Balfour, who's, you know, a senior captain this year was a D three all American. I mean, like as shiny as it gets as a Mayak athlete um, and they just have not been winning, you know, like it. And so like, Olivia Grotman, the sophomore keeper, who's had actually, I think, a really good year, um, said she's never lost as much in her entire life. And they've lost all of, you know, whatever, like 11 games or whatever the number is. Not a crazy number, but like for her, it's the most she's ever lost. Um, but they just honestly, they have almost an outrageously positive attitude. Like they're they're yeah. all so um, positive about it. I think part of it is going in knowing the year would be hard. And so your expectations yeah. are not crazy. And part of it is that the head coach, Sheila McGill is like so incredibly laser focused on like not talking about individual success, not talking about like cosmetic success. And so it's this, it's almost like this overwhelmingly like team focused, put in the work, do things mm-hmm. right type thing where Honestly, the play, all the players I've talked to are fully bought in. So as much as I talk about it being really sort of all the way to one side of the um, the strategy scale, I think it's part of why they've been able to keep a good attitude. And then I also think they've had um, moments of success. Like they had their win, you know, their first ever Summit League win. Um, and I think they have a really good chance to get one tomorrow against North Dakota. And so I think in, in a tough year, when you have those moments of success or when you can cheer on a teammate who scored their fourth goal or you can cheer on someone who got their first goal or I think they've just found ways to be positive and I think they're rightful to be because as a Summit League team in the Twin Cities, they have a unique opportunity to pull a talent pool and be competitive, even if they're not ever on the range of like a Power 5 team or whatever, they can actually be really successful just by being what they are, which is a mid-major team that's based in the Twin Cities that happens to produce an insane amount of D1 women's college soccer players. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Matt, um, as we mentioned, you just chatted with uh, Olivia Grotman and Alex Balfour uh, from uh, St. Thomas just before that uh, we uh, we started our conversation here. So if you're watching this and you want to watch that conversation, feel free to check that out after we're done here. Uh, but Matt, your main beat for Equal Time Soccer 
is yeah. uh, the Gopher women's soccer beat. So yep. we're going to transition and kind of recap the roller coaster season that that the Gophers yeah. had. I mean, you start with an undefeated uh, uh-huh. non-conference run, mm-hmm. and then you sort of run into this gauntlet of a of a Big Ten season. Did, was it known how how good the Big Ten was going to be this year before the season started? Like, did we know that it was going to be this strong? Yeah, I think the Big Ten is always really tough. I do think this year in particular, it was bizarrely deep, even compared to a regular year. I think there was a really strange dynamic in the Big Ten where um, it really, the middle class drifted even more south than you would think. Like there, usually there is a jumble in the middle of like, you could end up being fourth or eighth. But there's not mm. usually a jumble where you could be fourth or tenth. Like yeah. it's it really because <laughs> Minnesota that was Minnesota's situation. Like when yep. Minnesota won their first seven and all seven were clean sheets. On paper, their non-conference slate was not that impressive. Although it should be noted that Baylor ended up being like a top fifty RPI team and they beat them in their opening game. You know mm. they they beat other teams that went on to have solid seasons, all that stuff. But on paper, it was not the strongest non-conference slate Minnesota has ever had. They won all seven, but they weren't really scoring yet. And the mm-hmm. funny thing is, it's one of the only times where the scoring really picked up once they got to Big Ten play. The Big yeah. Ten in any sport is not known as like a high-flying, high-scoring like conference. And so Minnesota, for much of the year, was leading the Big Ten in scoring, which is just nuts. That has not been the case for the last several years. I don't even know if it was the case back when we had Big Ten forwards of the year. Like, I don't remember mm-hmm. that being the vibe of the Minnesota team. But this year, just enough players clicked. You know, they really, at their best, looked so damn fun. Like, I kept tweeting yeah. all caps, like, so damn fun all the time because I know that not enough people are watching this team. And I will just tell you, Anytime I see people heartbreakingly tweeting about the loons or heartbreakingly tweeting about the men's national team, I basically want to quote tweet every one of those things and be like, have you watched Raylan Baker yet? Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's these things that like, listen, if you want to have fun watching soccer, there are three gophers who will never break your heart. They will always make you feel joy and they will at least mostly perform. It's so it's this funny thing where, um, you know, they came in hot but we're not even playing their best yet then had those like mm-hmm. you said the tough sled in the big 10 play and then really hit their stride and then you know i think it's just the nature of college soccer and the nature of um a really tough end of the season they dropped their last two games and if they would have won both they honestly could have hosted a big 10 tournament game but instead they're out of the big 10 tournament um but all in all, I think if you would have told Aaron Chastain her first ever year coaching the program, they would have had a winning record. They would have had wins over Penn State, Ohio State, Baylor, um, you know, et cetera, uh, and 5-0 win over Illinois, like all these big-time score lines. I think she probably would have been, if you had her on a lie detector test, she probably would have been happy. Um, I will tell you, I was getting my hopes up, man, in the middle of that season this team really felt special and I think they actually are special. And I say that because they're not really losing that many players. Um, mm-hmm. Most of their seniors are coming back next year. And so I'm actually already pre excited about a season that won't start until August. Like it's, <laughs> it's going to be fun. So folks who are watching now, like honestly just put in the very back of your head, 
for the first time ever to like follow this team because they're going to be really fun again. What were your expectations for this team going in, Matt? Because it was this weird dynamic that like you have a new head coach, but the coaching change wasn't due to lack of performance or, you know, whatever it was, it was simply a coach moving on and another coach taking over a program that seemed in relatively healthy shape. But at the same time, it's still a new coach, probably putting in a new philosophy, maybe new tactical system. Uh, Considering all those dynamics, what were your expectations for this team this season? I mean, and and I will seem like such a fool now because they were picked 10th in the Big Ten by the coaches, and I honestly thought that was way too low. And they ended up finishing 10th. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I I just have to eat mm-hmm. crow. But honestly, I think this team was way better than that. I, I don't think anyone who watched them could really think they were actually the 10th best team. I think um, I expected them to finish, honestly, like more like fifth or sixth. And they they really, if they would have just won two winnable games at the end of the year, would have finished at worst seventh and, you know, as high as fourth. Um, I really think that's the quality they had. Um, I do think, and this is like, it's kind of weird to try and put, put in a caveat or like a complaint of when players were missing and blah, blah, blah. But for instance, their very last game against Nebraska, they absolutely like had the class to beat Nebraska. Their right back or sorry, their left back got injured in warmups. Like that's, that's honestly, that rarely happens to the Gophers. I don't think I've ever seen a player get like hurt in warmups. Like that's, that's not a normal thing. So that happened. Mm -hmm. That's not the reason they lost. It's just a reason. Um, And then they had a really random thing in the middle of the year where uh, Kenzie Langdock got COVID, even though she was vaccinated and she missed three games. Um, And three of those games were the loss against Michigan state who they could have won on the road, the loss Mm -hmm. against Wisconsin by one goal. And they could have won that at home. Um, and one other game I'm forgetting. So it's it's kind of like there were actually some sort of, if you go back in time, could this have been different moments? Um, but otherwise, honestly, what happened, my expectations were higher. I thought they would be better. But at the same time, I both thought they would be better and didn't think they would show as well as they did. Like, yeah. they win against Ohio State. They go down two goals, score four in a row. Like, are you kidding yeah. me? On the road, mm-hmm. like against a very good team. They put four up against Penn State, are just housing them. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. those games were so damn fun. Like, they were so fun. (laughs) Like, it was crazy how fun this team was in moments this year. Um, And that is not always the case. I mean, like, soccer, even a really good team, you don't always see a four-goal game. Like, that just is, like, bonkers town. And that's, like... That's such a weird because because you hit the nail on the head, Matt. It's like you both didn't expect this team to play as well as they did, but you then you yeah. fin- you expect them to finish higher, and that's kind of right. how I feel too. It's like I didn't even honestly didn't look at the standings before we right. started this. I just I knew they were out of the Big Ten tournament picture. Right. I didn't know they were tenth, and that just like baffling to me because I mean you're talking it's- about SC top ten caliber goals. You're talking about. Yeah. Like an yeah. attacking front that was one of the best in the Big Ten. You're talking about yeah. a borderline brick wall and Megan Plashko. It's just, yeah. it just feels like this team could not really couldn't put it together for a consistent amount of games, a, a, a consistent enough amount of games, I should say, yeah. to really kind of ride that high. 
Yeah, and I think it's it's worth noting what you mentioned before, Jeremy, that you know Aaron Chastain came in in middle of June, but you can't talk to players until training camp, or you can talk to them, but you can't coach them. So there was no time to build a system. Three of the defenders on the Gopher back line were not defenders; they were yeah. forwards and midfielders, including a freshman midfielder who started at center back every game of the year and was a baller by the way elizabeth overberg and she's a speech nerd for all the nerds out there so like respect and she's she's jacked she had a great picture where she's like flexing and so she is she is equal times jacked nerd for sure Um, there you go (laughs) uh I, ju- I just think there was not a lot of time to build in this system. So, for instance, they played a standard diamond 4-4-2 to simplify roles. I do not think that is the pinnacle system that Aaron Chastain wants to use. I would expect them to come in with a 4-3-3 that has maybe more pressing elements, maybe more creative elements. Um, and so, it's, yeah, it's just worth noting. I mean, it is fair to say they didn't have a ton of time to build chemistry. Um, I, I honestly, like players are absolutely raving about Aaron as a head coach. Like it is, it is beyond the point of just like BS honeymoon period stuff. Like Mm -hmm. I'm talking to players a ton. It is, it is very real how they're speaking about her. I think it speaks volumes that four seniors are coming back for an extra year after only one came back last season, like just saying. Um, so like, I think Mm -hmm. that speaks volumes, um, and I think this team's going to be fun as hell. So yeah, for sure. All right. So let's transition. Actually, before we transition, I want to talk to you about just some of the attendance numbers that we saw at ELR this yeah. season. Yeah, yeah. You talked about the people crying about the loons on Twitter, but I mean, there were people going out and showing out for this team this yeah. season. And I think the performance is on the field. While again, we talk about they finished 10th yeah. in the conference. The performance is on the field. You put together those, people come back, right? Yep. Um, how I guess did this groundswell of, of attendance support, has it, has it always been there and we just really haven't seen it at the forefront or was this season sort of, I want to say abnormal, but surprising in the in-person support that we saw for the Gophers. Yeah. So, I mean, first I would say if you're a soccer fan and you've never been to Elizabeth Law Robbie stadium, go to, go to one game. Like I, I grew up in Northern Minnesota. I went to college in Western Minnesota I had never even heard of the Gopher soccer team before I lived here. I went to my very first game in like 2016. I'm not judging anyone like because I had never been to a game either. If you have never been to a game there, you have to go to a game. The pitch is better than Allianz Field. It is the yeah. best pitch in the state. I don't think it's very close. The stadium is immaculate. It is so cool. It is so fun. The only downside is they do not serve beer in the stadium. But guess what? Half the time I bring a cooler of beer that you can drink for free in the parking lot. So you're good. There you go. So you, Love do not, it. you do not need game time beer. I will pregame beer you. Or frankly, the gopher player parents will pregame beer you because they are so <laughs> cool. Um, but this is, I just think for, yeah. So for reference, if you've never been to a game, you do need to try one game. It is so fun to watch soccer there. It's an outdoor stadium, beautiful grass field. I think, probably one of the best you know soccer specific venues certainly that you will be able to get to as a minnesotan um uh for reference they have always been in the range of like the top 25 in terms of attendance they usually have anywhere from 600 to 800 fans a game again that's like in some of the top programs across the country so they've always 
they've always sold well in terms of fans. This year was a little bit different. I don't have like the official numbers, but I will tell you, I think the Penn State game, they had 1,800 fans. They added a couple of bleachers, which was so fun mm-hmm. to see. The Wisconsin game, they said they had 1,300 fans. I mean, like, it is when it is full, like the Robbie is so fun. And I am such a, I am such a believer that that stadium could be expanded even further. Like they could actually yeah. add, cause right now it's one really nice set of stands on one side and they, yeah. they really could either wrap or just add away stands on another um, side of the field. Um, and so the fan support was awesome. I mean like this, uh, that was cool. I do think some of it, honestly, might have just been Aaron. I mean, like Aaron Chastain, for those who don't know, is an alum. She played for the team in the 90s. She's a Minnesota kid. Um, she, like very much so in her interviews when she got this job, talked about how it was a big deal for her to, for her to come home. Um, it's home was like a big part of like the team's branding and saying yeah. like, this is our home. This is where we're from. All those things. So I do think there was frankly a lot of alums like from Aaron's era who were like, hell yeah, let's go like support Aaron. I do honestly think part of the bump was literally just her. And then I do think part of the bump was sort of a, this is an outdoor sports venue where we can go support like soccer and we know people Mm -hmm. who play there and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's, and it's a great game day experience. I mean, if, again, if you have not been there, just try one game. That's, that's what I would say. All right, let's tr- transition into um, what's happening with Minnesota women's soccer. So you guys yeah. have, I believe, seven names that you've whittled it down to, correct? You guys in the semifinal period. Um, when are we going to get the next, I guess, cut of names? Yeah, so um, the Minnesota women's soccer team is going to – it's a minor league like women's soccer team that will have top-level college players, aspiring pros – they will play in sort of those summer months. Uh, we have been doing some community branding, as you said, Jeremy. So uh, I believe the voting closed for those seven names. So now we have um, like a top three and four. There we go. Look at those seven or eight. No, seven. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a great. Look at how good of a reader I am. So seven, <laughs> seven names. Um, and so uh, those will now be the top three, the top three. The top getting names are now going to be built out by a really, really great group of designers, three women. Uh, One of them is a former Gopher soccer player, uh, Allie Renke, who folks have probably seen um, getting promoted by the team. So three women are building out those brands into something that will be presented that the community owners can vote on like a fully built out brand. So like not just the name, but what are the colors? What is, what are the fonts? What's, what are the sort of mascot feels? What is the, what is the vibe? Um, What kind of textures are we seeing? Um, And what's sort of some example merch? And so those will be voted on in November um, because we want to make sure that brand is finalized in time to really start doing our, some high level kit design, make sure those are out so folks can start buying some merch so that by the time they go to games, you know, May of 2022, they're already geared out and ready to rock and support these women. Um, and honestly, it's just been a complete and absolute blast. I mean, more than 2,500 people have become community owners. Yeah, it's amazing. It's been great. I mean, it's 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 super, super fun to see folks um, showing out for women's soccer in Minnesota. It's super, super cool to see them putting 
where their their money where their mouth is too and like that part has just been an absolute blast because all of that money that they're investing gets to go into these women players who are just if anyone has followed my work they know that like these women are just complete badasses and they they deserve investment they deserve to be marketed for the players that they are and so it's just going to be a cool experience Absolutely. Which uh, now that voting's closed, I don't know if we need to necessarily worry about you skewing the the vote here. Which 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 name's your favorite, Matt? I'm gonna put you on the I, spot here. It's well, this is this is a really boring answer that I'm sure you're happy to hear. I honestly think I think the name is important, but I'm even more excited about the brand. Like I think yeah. the name. You know, an example I give is like how many times do people say Minnesota United FC? Like how many times does someone say the official full name? Yeah. I think. I think the really cool thing about naming a soccer team is it does matter insofar as it informs the brand and it informs the identity. But the cool thing about soccer fan culture is like supporters will come up with nicknames for the team. They will come up with their own supporters groups. They will come up with how they want to refer to this thing that they love. And actually, so I I I will tell you as someone who got to see at least like the mood boards of the brands, all of them are so damn cool. Like I was sitting literally at the same table, like looking at my screen, losing my mind, like so jacked about these designs, these women had only started. And, um, and so I, I personally think, uh, it was, it's been really, really fun to see like how the voting changes around around too of like who shifts to what, who cares about what. And, and that's been the fun part about having the community do this process because, um, I just think it's a cool way to harness people's energy of like, if people care about what the team name is, like give them a voice, like let them, let them weigh in. I think that's been the fun part. Um, I believe that Dominic, I believe both of our number ones are still on the list. Hopefully they're still on the list after the next round of cuts. What what, Um, what are they? Let's, let's hear it. Dominic, do you remember yours? Well, weren't both of our one and two switched between Arctic and iron? Was that what it was? Yeah. So you had Arctic as number one. And yeah. iron is two. I had iron as one and Arctic is two. Yeah. All so. right. Good. Well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I'm not <laughs> going to give any clues. I'm going to, I'm going to be very neutral. Well, it's, it's funny you brought up like the branding and, and seeing sort of the, the mock-ups of, of how some of this stuff could look, because that's honestly, when we were picking our, our favorites, like a lot of the, our reasoning had to do with like, oh, this would really be a good potential, like, you know, the yeah, branding yeah. that they can make from this would be really, there's a lot of potential there. It could be really cool, you know? Right. And I'm sure the same could be said about every single one of those names, right? right. But right. Like, like for us, like it just like in our minds, we're like, oh, you know, like Iron Minnesota, like that to me, like that sparks like a really cool, like hype video yeah. of like, yeah, yeah. you I know. Mean, I mean, that same, I mean, that same reasoning is, is at a root of sort of what we're passionate about. I mean, we want, like we want a ton of merch, like different options for merch. We want multiple kits. We want, you know, like the forward Madison example of give people cool stuff to wear, because if they want to support the club, you need to give them ways to support the club. And we like, you need to give people ways that feels authentic to them that they can walk around in their daily life and represent the club they care about. And so that is a huge part of why we want a strong brand, why we want a brand that's informed by fans, because they deserve to have cool stuff. Like they deserve to have cool stuff that they are, if they're going to spend money, it should be cool. They should want to wear it. 
and it should be something where like when they wear it then the first like someone says oh what's that club and they get to brag about their favorite player and they get to brag Mm -hmm. about the game day and they get to brag about oh minnesota's team is better than your team like that's part of the environment of you have to give people something they can support and then you have to give them ways to support it so i think i think that's the most fun part is getting thousands of votes on stuff like this is so Mm -hmm. it's like both stressful but exciting because it shows that they care and if people care like that's a that's the main thing i mean like if people are passionate you're already halfway there definitely um so aside from the name and the branding which obviously we're going to get soon we're at least going to get finalists of soon um you're less than seven months from taking the field. I believe May 2022 is when the yep. USLW League season starts. When can we expect kind of more announcements as far as, you know, acquisition, roster, you know, stadium, you know, different different things like that? When can we expect to start hearing those details? Yeah, so right now we're in the process of interviewing head coach candidates. So we, yep, we had the application window open um, earlier, like literally every day this week, you know, I'm talking to mm-hmm. – um, really great uh, coaching candidates for us. Um, and then I think we really want, you know, we really want that coach to play a key role in making some of those final decisions in terms of game venue, in terms of um, a lot of things that impact the actual soccer. Cause to this point, you know, we've spent 18 months creating a club from nothing to make sure that we can allow community input and get community investment. And, things that really don't necessarily have to do with the soccer on the field. And now we're getting to the phase, like you spoke to Jeremy, where the schedule's coming up in only seven months where now it's the soccer. And so now it's this fun phase where someone like me who nerds out over, you know, who we recruit and who's on our staff and all these things and who we're playing and all these things is starting to come into play. So um, I think, you know, from this point on, it's frankly only going to be really exciting announcements for folks because we're going to be locking in our head coach. We're going to be building out that coaching staff. We're going to be getting players committed um, and announcing them. I mean, like basically now through the season is only going to be like stuff. Like it's everything is Mm -hmm. going to be happening now. So, you know, the branding will get announced. The head coach will be announced. We'll unveil our first kit. We'll be unveiling players we'll be holding tryouts so that we can actually have a broad access to the talent that exists in this community. And then we'll be starting to unveil the schedule and then you'll be able to get your tickets. So like everything is going to be happening like from now on. And so it's starting to feel very real. I will say. Uh, do you guys know where you're going to play your home games yet? Because you have a few options. So that that's still being finalized. We do want to make sure it can be a really good game day environment. I think we want to make sure folks can feel like it's a professional, fully built out setting. We want, I personally, you know, hope it's somewhat centrally located. We want folks to be able to get there. Um, and, we, and, you know, first and foremost, we want it to be a really good environment for the players. So like, do we have high quality field? Do we have a high quality stadium? Do we have good facilities in terms of locker rooms? Um, physical treatment, all these things that players need to make sure that it doesn't feel like we're just driving out to a pitch in the middle of nowhere um, where they don't have the support they need. So it's, you know, it's a pre-professional league. The players will not be paid, but we want every single element we can invest into to be invested in so that they have a professional environment. So um, it's still to be debated. What we're doing now is doing our homework to make sure we know all our options so that by the time the head coach is in place, 
they basically sort of have um, all the information, you know, she can have by the time she's, you know, helping us decide those things. All right. Well, we'll be uh, we'll be looking out for those announcements here in the here in the coming months. It's going to be really exciting times, obviously, to be following uh, Minnesota women's soccer on Twitter and all the other socials. It's, it's at Emin Woso everywhere, yep. right? Yep. And if yeah, and if folks you know if folks have haven't heard of us before and they heard about us now, if folks want to um, you know throw their their two cents literally into into the <laughs> team, you can go to wefunder.com slash mnwoso. Otherwise, MN Woso on any of the social channels, you know, if you want to check out the team and see what see what the team is about, uh, for sure. All right. I know uh, I know we're getting pretty late here, Matt, uh, but I do want to touch on what's happening in Division two. We do like to yep. kind of give a give a spotlight to what's happening in some of the lower divisions of college soccer. Um, yep. Your brother does an excellent job. Your brother Mark does an excellent job on the NSIC beat for equal time soccer um, Two teams ranked in the united soccer coaches uh national d2 poll this week bemidji state's been there all season minnesota state mankato now cracking the top 25 as well um bemidji state 13 0 and 2 on the year um if you can kind of give me the cliff notes here matt what's made what's made them so dominant this year i mean bemidji state is a real success story just because the msic i mean d2 is really tough i talk about college soccer as a category but like D2 is also a slog. They only have, you know, the equivalent of like 7.7 scholarships allowed. And most teams don't actually invest enough to give that many scholarships. Just as a heads up, like there's a very big difference between the teams that offer 7.7 scholarships and the ones that offer less. Think about adding the equivalent of like four full scholarship players onto a team. Like that's what some of these teams deal with. So Bemidji I will just say without giving too much away is like, is not one of the programs that gets the absolute most financial investment from their department. And so they are Mm -hmm. a huge success story. Um, And coach Jim Stone has done a good job developing that team. And they and Mankato this year are just, you know, the class of the league. I mean, it's a, it's a really tough table. They actually similar to the big 10 have had this sort of funny thing where a lot of teams, the schedules are sort of truncated where, a bunch of people played the one half of the table first year, first half, and then a bunch played the, and then the tough second half, second half. So it's kind of like, Minot, for example, Minot State and University of Mary, both North Dakota schools, sort of played their easily slate early. And so they mm-hmm. were undefeated, top of the table, looked like they were rolling, but it's really because of who they played when. And yeah. so Bemidji State and Minnesota State down in Mankato, they played their hard teams early and now they're playing the quote unquote um, more winnable games late. And so that's why you're seeing them charge up the table. If you've only seen our tweets about like the standings, they've been just like running the table. And that's also why at the bottom, so the top eight teams make the MSIC tournament. This is a super competitive conference. It's actually pretty darn fun to watch. And if you live in Minnesota, you have a school within driving range of you because there are a ton of programs. Um, So the bottom of the tournament field is really, really tight. So between, so for instance, the top seven schools all have 20 points, but the eighth, like to get the eighth spot, there's multiple teams all within three points of that. So Wayne State, Upper Iowa, St. Cloud State. So if you're a Minnesota fan and we're a Minnesota site, St. Cloud State is within shooting distance of claiming that last tournament spot. And so mm-hmm. I, I personally, I know Mark in his last piece said like, 
we're going to go all Minnesota. We're going to say they have the juice to like make that spot. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, and honestly, it's kind of nuts because their season, their regular season runs later than D one. So like they still have regular season games to play, even though the big 10 is in tournament play already. So by the time the NSI tournament is happening, if it's hosted in Bemidji, like in Northern Minnesota, two weeks, everybody's going to be traveling. It is just, and it's just like Snowtown. I mean, like they yeah. play in blizzards up there. Like it is mm-hmm. crazy up there. And this is coming from someone who grew up 40 minutes south of Bemidji. Like it is crazy yeah. to be playing soccer midway through November in Bemidji and they just do it. Like they just make it work. So um, if folks have not watched the NSIC, my number one selling point is nearly all of these games are free to stream online. Just try one out. Just check yeah. it out. Um Bemidji, Mankato, Augustana. I mean, Concordia has traditionally been really good right here in St. Paul where I live. St. Cloud has been traditionally good. Um, But there's just a ton of competitive programs. And D2 soccer, it's scholarship soccer, man. Like, there's ballers there. Um, And it can be fun to watch even if it's – sometimes it can be a scrappy game if you're playing, you know, literally in snow. It it still Mm -hmm. can be a fun game. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was reading s- some of the work that Mark was doing earlier in the season and, uh, you know, talking about kind of Bemidji State getting out front. And so I, I was checking out a couple of Bemidji State games and that's some high quality soccer that they're playing right now. And even more impressive now that, you know, you've, you've let on that, you know, they're they're not taking advantage of their full scholarship usage right. or, you know, what, what they're allotted, I guess. Right. Um, and that just makes it all the more impressive that, like, you're seeing this sort of product on the field at right. that level um and just uh, it's it's I, I watched maybe like a half i watched the full match but after like 30 40 40 minutes i'm like oh there's 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 a reason why this team is you know whatever oh and two that they were at the time because like they're just dominating well and it's this funny dynamic in minnesota you know for folks who really want to get into it the really funny thing is almost all of the d3 schools in minnesota are private schools so they're Morris, mm-hmm. where I went, is, you know, Rep Morris, I'm wearing a Cougar jersey. Morris, nice, where nice. I went, is the only public D3 school in the state. Every other D3 school is a private where it's, you know, minimum 30 grand, probably more like 40 or 50. And so, to be really honest, like, it's not that accessible of a place to go without sending folks into pretty significant debt unless they have the means to go there on their own. So, the funny thing is, D, in many states, that dynamic is flipped. So in Minnesota, D2 schools are almost all D state schools. So they're really affordable. Like Bemidji, Mankato, UMD, Marshall, St. Cloud, Winona, Moorhead. Like I could go on. Like we are drowning in D2 state schools where you're playing at a higher level and it's actually more affordable. And so it's it's just this very funny dynamic where if you're getting offered a walk-on offer in D1 or a small scholarship at a private school, and then you have to pay the remainder of that $60,000 tuition fee, like good players go to Minnesota D2 schools because they're affordable, they're solid academically, and they compete. So like Minnesota has its share of D2 talent for those reasons, because it's a bunch of public schools where it's like, it's 17 grand, even if you get no scholarships, like it's an affordable place to go to school. So I just think we're really lucky to have that very specific dynamic because I don't think other states have that dynamic. Yeah, for sure. All right, Matt Pervatsky, Equal Time Soccer, equaltimesoccer.com. 
um, at Equal Time Soccer on on Twitter. Uh, Matt, the work you guys do at Equal Time is awesome. I love having you on to talk women's soccer. I mean, you're like my go-to. I, I just got to shoot you a DM on Twitter like, hey, we're talking women's soccer. Do you want to jump on? Uh, so it's good to have your voice along with us, man. Uh, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much, Jeremy, Dominic. I love how you all amplify, you know, other programs, other sites, other folks. You know, if someone's going to try and cover everything in the state of Minnesota, which is an insanely ambitious thing that you all do, yeah. amplifying yeah, folks who are doing good work is something I really appreciate. So thanks so much. Always happy to join. Well, we need all the assistance we can get in that pursuit, Matt. So we appreciate it. <laughs> nice. All right. Have a good night, man. Take it easy. Thanks. Matt Pravratsky from Equal Time Soccer. Uh, definitely recommend going to EqualTimeSoccer.com and checking out what they're doing. They also have a Patreon. You can go to support the work that they're doing um, there. Just, just awesome stuff. All right, Dom. Been an hour and 15 minutes. I do want to spend probably another 15. I think we'll probably try to hit 830 as our benchmark to get out of here. Uh, but uh, we do have a couple of more topics we need to get to, starting with high school soccer. We mentioned last week that we were going to have kind of more of a general idea on who could potentially going, be going to U.S. Bank Stadium for the, uh, for the semifinals of both the boys and girls soccer tournaments at all divisions. And now we have that mostly set in place, right? Yep, and there, there's some games that have gone on tonight that we won't have all the updates on that, but a pretty large portion of both the boys and girls brackets are, are filled out now. Awesome. So who uh, who do we have locked in? Uh, let's start with the boys' side. Who do we have locked in? All right. So I'll start. I'll just go at Class A, Double A, Triple A in that order. Uh, so uh, the first the first part of this bracket actually hasn't been decided yet. But the winner of Southwest Christian and Proctor will play the winner of St. Cloud Cathedral uh, versus Pine Island, uh, Pine Island slash Sombrota. Uh, Rochester. Uh, Rochester Lords beat St. Paul Washington Technology, so they will play the winner of St. Paul uh, Humboldt. I don't know how to say all these words. Uh, <laughs> versus uh, Metro Schools College Prep. So again, that's Rochester versus St. Paul Humboldt or uh, Metro Schools College Prep. Uh, for AA, uh, Orono will play the winner of Wilmer and Worthington. And then Monomedi will play the winner of Academy of Holy Angels or St. Cloud uh, Tech. Triple-A, uh, these, these are all set already. The semifinals for Triple-A are all set. So Rochester Mayo will play uh, Moundsview and Duluth East will play Rosemount. Uh, by the way, for, for I just thought this before we started, for Ted Lasso fans, Duluth East are the Greyhounds. So Nice. There you go. There's your, there's your school to, to, to cheer for unless you already have another school. Um, and then uh, for, uh, for, for girls, uh, for the single A, uh, Holy Family Catholic will play the winner of St. Anthony Village versus Breck School. And uh, Minnehaha Academy plays Cotter. Double uh, A, Benilde St. Margaret's plays Cloquet Carlton. And Academy of Holy Angels, again, play the winner of Matamidi or Mankato West. And then AAA, Edina, play Stillwater. And uh, Centennial, play the winner of Rosemount versus Elk River. So a lot of interesting mashups, and there are a lot of different areas being represented, which is always fun. Yeah. Um, some schools up where I am at, obviously in the cities, and, and just a 
good portion of the state being represented for both boys and girls. And if I'm not mistaken, there's a week between the quarterfinals and the semifinals, right? So this weekend off, and then it's the following weekend where we get the semifinals and the finals at the bank, right? Yeah. So they are, well, they're the third and the fourth. So they're actually, they're not in that weekend, but yes, they're about a week from now. Okay, cool. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, Wednesday and Thursday. And then the finals uh, are, I believe they're all going to be the sixth, the sixth, um, and again, all those games are at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. It's just fun yeah. soccer to go watch, even if you don't yeah. necessarily have have a team there. I mean, it's a lot of fun if one of your teams is playing, like one of your alma maters is playing. I mean, it's so much fun. But if you just enjoy soccer, like it's such a cool atmosphere there. And again, this I think it's going to be kind of extra tuned up this year because we didn't get this last year. Right. We didn't get this this environment. We didn't get semifinals and finals really at all. It ended after sectionals last year because of of COVID protocols and stuff. So it really is um, a return to to having that atmosphere. And I think because we had that year off, it's just going to be turned up another notch. So um, a lot of fun stuff. For sure. And yeah, an example of that is actually last year. Um, so, you know, last year there were, uh, sectional titles awarded, but, but there was no state tournament. Uh, so I, I remember last year I covered, uh, Cloquet Carlton, the girls team, uh, for the Pine Journal that covered, they won their sectional title, but then, and they were a very good team. Um, they're fun to watch. Um, but they had nothing to follow that up with. So, you know, there, for example, getting into the semifinals this, this year for double A, that's a huge opportunity. Uh, one that they didn't know one, but teams like them who had a lot of potential didn't get to have. And yeah, you know, obviously there's a lot of focus for, for clear reasons on professional or collegiate soccer, but you looked at the great energy that was at the, the mayor's cup this year and games mm-hmm. like that. That's a great example of, you can still have a lot of fun, a lot of sense of community and actually a lot of quality too. Cause obviously these are talented kids. That's why they're on these teams. Um, yeah, just because it's high school doesn't mean it's not going to be fun. You know, there are other high school sports that high school football, for example, gets a lot of hype. Actually, um, yeah. that that same that same energy can be in other sports, certainly other team sports. So, if if you have a connection to one of these schools, you should definitely check how they do out. But if you happen to just be able to watch or be in the area or anything, I, I suggest following along. And so again, the semifinals at US Bank Stadium Wednesday and Thursday next week, the third and the fourth, and then Saturday all day long the state championships there at us bank stadium. Um, I, I mean, you can get tickets at the door. I'm sure you can buy them ahead online. I have no idea how much they are. I can't imagine they're expensive at all. Um, so definitely. And it's a good, just good, a good way to support, uh, you know, soccer at that level and, and go out and, and take in a really, really cool soccer environment. So um, definitely implore everybody who can to go and do that. All right. Our final topic. And then we will shout out our, our, uh, well, our friends over at Stimulus Athletic. But the final topic is one I saved for last because it's a very momentous moment in Minnesota soccer history. And that's the St. Thomas men getting their first Division I victory. Uh, I believe they started 0-11-2 heading into that. And, I mean, their jump to D1, it it was not – I wouldn't say it was expected, but – it's not surprising that the growing pains were, were kind of at that level, but they had been playing well the entire season. And so you just had to know that this was going to be coming. And so they, uh, they get that first win last week against 
University of Nebraska Omaha. And what's I think impressive to me is the defensive work they did. They withstood 19 shots from Omaha um, to secure this win. Uh, just a very, very cool moment, but also I think a just a well-deserved win for a team that had been playing pretty well considering the jump they had just, you know, they had made this season. Yeah, and we've talked in previous episodes about this, but it's a, worth noting again. Obviously, the their actual record did not look especially great, but they were not being blown out by other teams. No. They, they, they were being relatively competitive throughout. Obviously, they got a couple draws previously that were, uh, well, obviously close games, but they were low-scoring kind of back-and-forth draws. Um, so, you know, it always felt like this was coming. Um and we've had conversations between us and, and with John, obviously, early on in the season about the expectations and sort of the focus, not necessarily on results, but on growing culture and, and, and developing as a program. Uh, but it always felt like eventually this would happen. Uh, so, you know, they probably would have liked for it to be a little earlier than it ended up being. But but it's great that it's happened at all. And, and it probably is the last piece in that puzzle of feeling like they did what they needed to do this season. Uh, freshman Ferris Kolick is the one who got the goal in the 12th minute um, that ended up being the deciding goal in the one nil victory over Omaha. Uh, he's from Ramsey, Minnesota. And again, t- we talk about the freshmen making impacts for, for St. Thomas, both on the men's and women's side. I mean, that that's kind of needed when you're talking about bringing in these D one recruiting classes, you know, you're going to need to get them integrated right away because you want them to sort of to, to get that time on the pitch. So that way, when you get to, you know, the, their junior and senior years, your third and fourth seasons as a D1 school, you're sort of ready to to start competing on a, on a wider level, on a more consistent basis, right? Um, and super shout out here to senior goalkeeper Nicholas Martinson. Again, we're talking senior goalkeeper here. So this is a guy who is, who is I, I guess I don't know for sure, but brought in as, as a D3 um, prospect, as a D3 uh, recruit. Um, eight saves in the win. Uh, just very, very impressive. Like I said, the team all, you know, withstood 19 shots as a whole from Omaha, but they come away with the one nil, one nil victory. And not, not only do they get their first win, but they follow that right up with their second win. Now this was not a conference win like the game against Omaha, but it was impressive going to UW Milwaukee and coming out with another one nil victory. This time there's a 33rd minute goal from freshman, Charlie Holton off a counter and that proved the difference. Um, you know, not necessarily the the onslaught of saves needed uh, like it was against Omaha, uh, but you get a first half goal and you shut the door. They did that in both those matches. Really, really impressive performances in both of these matches. Well-deserved victories. And now all of a sudden you got a winning streak on your hands. Yeah. And, and, Going back to to you, you just mentioned this, and, and Matt was obviously talking quite a bit about it uh, with the, the women's program. It's just really encouraging to see uh, both the men's and women's programs really finding their feet in terms of just the the baseline of development. It's not necessarily about having great records, but it's about finding those fundamentals, getting those freshmen in, finding some good results. Um, but, but aside from that, just getting good programs growing at this new level, which is such a challenge, particularly because of uh, how far they leapt up into D1, uh, you know, I think it's, it, 
when it, when all so said and done, if you don't have contests and you see their records, you're probably going to go, okay, well, that wasn't a great season for either of those sides. But with contests, I think you see how both the men's and women's sides did this year. And you think, okay, I should be excited for the next five years of, of Tommy's soccer. I should be paying attention to how this goes for the next several years. I should be paying attention to these freshmen who are clearly very good. Uh, mm-hmm. And that seemed like that's what the coaches really wanted to achieve in the first place, was just to get the the platform there for future excitement and enjoyment. Yeah. Um, so that's really exciting to have in St. Paul. Yeah. And, and you have the, you have the excitement for obviously like that first home match, right? It's that in itself. I mean, you had uh you, you had a, a kind of a Jersey presentation for Minnesota United uh, from Minnesota United, I should say at the beginning of the match, you had, you know, mayor and governor there and all that stuff. So obviously momentous occasion there, but obviously the losing streak that that source that, that excitement starts to falter when you don't, when you're not winning games. And that's uh, understanding that that's sports, right? But now you got two wins in a row and now you're coming back at home on Saturday afternoon. You take on UMKC in St. Paul. And now you got, you're looking for your third straight win. If you're St. Thomas, I mean, if there's ever a time we talked, you know, Matt had talked about going out and supporting the Gophers and going out and supporting these, these women's teams. Um, if there's ever a time to go out and support St. Thomas and support the only D one men's program, I mean, why not now? Why not really try to push this team to to get a you know not only a few wins under the belt but a few conference wins under the belt? Maybe they don't finish in the conference basement, right? Again, this is all theoretical, but or hypothetical, theoretical, hypothetical, probably both. One of those. Uh, but um, but I mean, it's it's a Saturday afternoon. I I think it's you know you you don't have to go trick or treating until Sunday. You know, I just think it's a really, really good opportunity to go out to St. Paul, enjoy some soccer and and cheer on a team who is in really good form right now. Yeah, absolutely. If you're if you're able to to go and I don't, I don't know the pay structure details for for St. Thomas Athletics, but if you find yourself able to go, um, you, you could end up seeing a pretty momentous moment if they if they do well that night, even and to be honest, even if they don't win, but if they put on a good performance um and the energy they'll have after the last two games yeah you could be in to see a, a really entertaining game of soccer um and you know however that game goes people should be signing on as you know interested in what this program is doing so part of that is as making an effort to try to be there in person sometimes and uh with how things are going you might be able to achieve that and also have a really good moment and see a win so yeah i, I definitely think people should try and check it out should also check out stimulusathletic.com, the title sponsors of 10,000 pitches. We would be, uh, I was about to say we'd be nothing without them. That, that's very intense. I'm not going to say that. Well, much. But, but th- I mean, it's really, really great to have their support, honestly. It's, it's part of what propels us to keep going with this podcast to know that, that businesses like Stimulus and people like Jason Moore really do uh, you know, love what we're doing and we can provide value to them, which is great. Um, so if you're a team, if you're a coach of a team, you're watching this podcast, you're really interested in Minnesota soccer, um, I, I implore you to just go check out stimulusathletic.com because what stimulus does is they help outfit teams from a local, national, international level. It, it doesn't matter. They don't, you know, they're, 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 there's no like, there's no bar for stimulus in terms of like, oh, we'll only supply teams at this level, right? Um, stimulus really, they're focused on local but they're also focused on providing clubs everywhere, 
quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices. That means jerseys. That means full kits. That means on and, and off the field apparel, uh, you know, backpacks for your stuff, um, you know, travel, travel wear, travel gear, like everything across the board. Stimulus Athletic can take care of you. Um, so go to stimulusathletic.com and you click that get started button and it's free to just talk to the people at Stimulus. That's what we did with the, with the 10K kit that we launched last summer. It was no investment for us to just have the initial conversation with Jason and the people at Stimulus about what's this going to look like? What's the pricing look like? What's, you know, what are we going to get here? How is it going to look? What can you do for us? You know, that sort of thing. That conversation is free to have. So why not just go check them out and see what they can do for you? StimulusAthletic.com. Uh, click that Get Started button. If you do that, make sure you let them know that Jeremy from 10,000 Pitches sent you. But if you are not involved in a soccer club, you're just a fan of Minnesota soccer like we are here on this podcast, uh, you can still rep Stimulus and support a company who's supporting this podcast by checking out some of the athleisure apparel that they have coming soon. Um, we're talking, you know, workout shirts. Athleisure, these are shirts you can wear to the gym, to the bar, to bed, when you're just chilling at home. Doesn't matter. Uh, it's great shirts, great pants, um, just just a lot of good stuff coming down the pipe from Stimulus Athletic. Not only from a club side, but also from just like a general, hey, I want to buy some stuff that's comfortable side. So um, check them out, StimulusAthletic.com. Their retail store is opening soon over in Northeast Minneapolis by our friends at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. So we'll have both our uh, friends at Ninth Street and Stimulus kind of right there next to each other in Northeast. That's going to be really, really cool. That's opening in December. It'll also house the new Minneapolis City Club store as well. So a lot of fun stuff going on at Stimulus Athletic. Again, check them out, stimulusathletic.com, at info underscore stimulus on Twitter. Cannot thank them enough for being the title sponsors of 10K. An hour and 34 minutes later, the first 10K live. Success, Dom? What do you think? I think the next time we do this, I'm going to need some uh, the stimulus athletic athleisure wear because this was this is quite a haul. But I'm glad we did it. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we'll, we'll potentially do this in, in the future again. And Well, obviously, the loon yeah. season's kind of coming to a close. But, you know, this probably won't be the last time we do this. And it was great to yeah. talk to Matt and everything. So, yeah, I think I think it went well. Yeah, it's a cool dynamic. I, uh, obviously, big thanks to Matt Pervasky from Equal Time Soccer for joining us, providing another voice, kind of filling us in on everything going on. Women's soccer in the state. I like this. I don't know if we'll do this weekly, but definitely something that I think we'll we'll come back to every now and then. Just kind of a different way to consume 10K, um, a different way for us to interact with you guys while we're talking soccer as well. Um, make sure you follow us at 10K Pitches on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Stay involved with the conversation. Um, if you, uh, would like, if you missed part of the live stream, we'll have the podcast up like we normally do. The YouTube version will be up as just a regular YouTube video after the fact, if you want to go check that out. Um, so a lot of ways to consume the whole episode if you miss something here, but, uh, for Dominic Jose Bazonio, I'm Jeremy rushing. Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another, uh, you know, different version of 10 K this week. Um, and we will catch you next week for another episode of 10k post loons back as normal right here on youtube and twitter after the match against skc on halloween well, spooky edition of post loons maybe i'll be wearing my costume who knows <laughs> all right and to thank jeremy to thank jeremy we did all this while thinking about the queen
Yes. Despite the fact that we are very much thinking about the queen, you can consider this podcast. Thank you.